right, I am thankful to be here today. We are in Revelation 4. If you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter number 4, and uh, we're continuing to walk through the book of Revelation, and uh, excited about the text today, always excited about the text, but uh, a glimpse of glory, and uh, God help us today, give us eyes to see what you would have us to see. I heard a story uh, about uh, a teacher that was teaching on heaven and uh, to a group of kids, and, 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 and they asked the question, said, hey, how many of you want to go to heaven? And uh, man, everybody in that class was raising their hand, raising their hand, and there was a little boy, and he didn't raise his hand. He was just looking down at the ground. He was looking at the ground. And, uh, and so after class, the teacher went up to that little boy and said, hey, uh, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? And he said, oh, yes, ma'am, I do, I do. And she said, well, why didn't you raise your hand? And, 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 and that little boy said, well, because I thought you were getting up a group right now. And uh, so, yeah, heaven, when I think of heaven, what a day that's going to be. Uh, you know, when we talk about heaven, all of the saved, all of the redeemed, one day is going to see and be exactly where we're going today. And, uh, but, but, but listen, but it, but it will only be the redeemed. It will only be the redeemed. Only those who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's only but one way to be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He paid the price for my sin, and he paid the price for your sin so that our sin debt can be forgiven, so that we can be cleansed, so that we can be prepared, and one day we will be with him. I look forward to that day, but heaven is reserved only for those who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting to me. Over the years, I've had the privilege and the honor to be able to do a lot of different funerals for a lot of different types of people. And it's interesting to me because as I look back and reflect on every last one of them, I've never done a funeral where anybody thought that this one might be in hell. I mean, not to say that we make that call, but I'm just simply saying the Bible teaches that there is a highway that leads to hell, and only a pathway leads to heaven. It's interesting to me that whenever we're doing funerals at the end of the day, at the end of life, that everybody says, man, they went to heaven, they went to heaven. And, 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 and although that might be assuring for us who are uh, left behind, I'm here today just simply to ask you while you are living, while there is hope, during these days of grace, has there ever been a time in your life when you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to repent of your sins and turn away from yourself and say, I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior? Because he secures heaven for us. And what a day that's going to be for those who are saved. This morning we're walking through this book of Revelation. And uh, back in Revelation, we're in a major transition moment in chapter number four. If you go back to Revelation chapter number one, uh, when we're talking about this book, when we're talking about this letter, again, just be remembering, be mindful as you walk through this book that this is the revelation, the revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Many visions, one revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in the beginning, back in chapter number 1, uh, John was told, and he writes 
this in verse number 19. Therefore, write the things which you have seen. And so that's where the visions come in. He saw a vision. He saw Jesus Christ. And so he writes the things that he has seen. And then in verse number 19, it says, also write the things which are. And what are the things that are? Well, the things that are are talking about chapters number two and chapter number three. And so the things that are are the age of grace, the church age, the age in which you and I are living today. He's saying, here's the, here's the church. Here's a letter to the church. These are the things that are. And then he goes on to say, and the things which will be one day, which will take place. And so the question would have to be asked, what happens after the church age? The age in which you and I are living today, what happens after the church age? We just read seven letters to seven different churches representing, again, although they were literal churches in specific places, still application is made to churches today. We are living in that day. But what happens after that day? What happens after the church age? And so that's where this transition comes in in, verse, in chapter number 4 and following. So chapter 4, follow along with me, because what happens here is the scene shifts from earth to heaven. All right, so we have a major shifting taking place. And as we talk about this scene from heaven, I want you to notice as we read through chapter number four today how many times he talks about the throne. All right, so, 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 so walk with me. Chapter number four. The Bible says this After these things, <clears throat> I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in his appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne there were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones saw, I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of burning fire before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion. And the second creature was like a calf. And the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. In verse number 9, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, Lord, and our God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. So the scene shifts from earth to heaven. Two times in the first verse, he says, after these things. 
And the first after these things has to do with his personal transition, what he was experiencing. But the second has to do with after the age in which we live. After the age in which we live. And when you start reading through these passages of Scripture, what you'll find in the rest of the book of Revelation is that the church vanishes. The church is not on the earth any longer, uh, but is with him in heaven. And so the question's got to be asked. What happened to the church? How did that happen? How did they get from here to there? What took place? And, and the vanishing that took place would be what we would call, again, the rapture. The rapture. When you're talking about God's deliverance, what's happening in, the, in, in this book is... As we're reading along in chapter number 4 and chapter number 5, we find the church in heaven and they're safe and secure in his presence. And in chapter number 6, 4, 5, and then in chapter 6, it comes back to the earth. And what we see happening on the earth is the beginning of the days of what we call the tribulation period. It is a seven-year period like never, ever, ever before where the judgment of God is poured out on the planet. But if you remember, if you go back to chapter number 3, the Bible says in chapter number 3 of Revelation, the Bible says, Because you have kept the word, talking to the church, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so he's just simply saying, hey, I'm fulfilling my promises to my people. My judgment that will be poured out on wicked, wicked world will not fall on my redeemed. Why? Because my judgment was judged on the cross of Calvary. It was there that he took my judgment for me and your judgment for you if you have been redeemed. It is a picture, it is a picture of an Old Testament story, the days of Noah. Right, If you go back to the Old Testament story, the days of Noah, you remember the days of Noah? God was judging a wicked world, and what happened is before, before one drop of judgment fell, his righteous people, Noah and his family, were safe and secured, shut in by the hand of God onto the ark, and not one drop of judgment that fell from heaven ever touched his people. And the same thing is true. Uh, of what's going to happen in the church. There will be a rapture. We don't read about it here in Revelation. We just see a church who vanishes. But if you read back in different places in Scripture, it is described, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and following. The Bible says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise First, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, snatched away in the clouds to meet him in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. It's just a description of the, what we call the rapture, the snatching away. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, in verses number 51 and 52, the Bible says it like this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We're not all going to sleep. And he's not talking about going to sleep at nighttime. He's talking about die. It says, but we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. They were fully anticipating the rapture taking place during their lifetime. It will happen one of these days. And one thing we have to remember is simply this. When you're talking about this, the end-time events, what we've got to remember is this. 
The rapture of the church and the return of Jesus Christ are not one in the same event. The rapture of the church happens, the Bible says, at a time that we do not know. Like the thief in the night, there's two people standing in the field. One disappears and the other is still left behind. That's the rapture. In fact, that's what our whole drama is about, the vanishing and the ensuing chaos that will be taking place. And we're going to go into the tribulation period, which... I believe introduces some of that chaos that will be ensuing when the rapture happens. However, we do know that that day, we don't know when that day will occur. That's why you've got to be ready. I don't know when it's going to happen. It could be today. I believe it could be today. But what the rapture does do for us is it begins a clock that begins ticking because we do know for a fact exactly how long and when the return of Jesus Christ will happen. It is a date that we will know based on the rapture of the church. The tribulation begins. It will be a seven-year period of time. And so when we're talking about this picture that John has, John, all of a sudden, he changes from earth into heaven. And it's interesting. It's interesting as he writes. And watch what happens as he writes. And we're going to go into it. But watch what happens as he writes. I, I was, you know what I was blown away by? I was blown away that when he wrote, he didn't write about the pearly gates and he didn't write about the streets of gold, but he wrote about the throne of God Almighty. He didn't write about the saints of old, the saints who have gone on. He was focused and fixated by the Savior. That's what he was focused on in this whole picture that we have here of heaven. And so he begins and he says, first of all, let me just tell you what I saw. I saw, number one, the Savior on the throne. The Savior on the throne. The Bible says immediately, I was in the Spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne and he who was sitting was like jasper stone and sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. And when we're reading through this passage of Scripture, it's interesting because from this point forward, John is describing the indescribable. I mean, think of what he's trying to do. He's simply trying to describe deity using human language. Things that we do not know even exists. he's writing about, trying to help us to see and understand what he's seeing. In fact, it's, it's, a, it's a big word called anthropomorphic language. That's what he's doing. He's using human language to describe deity, to describe the indescribable. And so when you're walking through this passage of Scripture, there are definitely reminders that we have as we see for example, him describing God Almighty. But be careful, be careful that you don't say, well, this symbolizes, there's a symbol for everything in the book of Revelation. I would say, suggest to you, no, some of it's just simply a vision that he's just trying to tell you, man, there's a place where I has not seen, nor has ear heard of the things that you're going to experience one day, the redeemed. What a place this is going to be. So he does describe Jesus. He describes this scene where the Savior is sitting on the throne. And he says, number one, it's a reflection of who he is. Man, there's jasper, which is clear crystal. What we would have today would be a diamond. And I, I don't believe when you're looking at Jesus Christ, you're seeing perfection. No splot, no blemishes. Uh, you're seeing perfection. 
And then he says there's, 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 it, 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 there's sardius, there's something uh, like a ruby, like ruby red when I see Jesus Christ. Ruby red. And I, and, and I can't help but think, man, all I know is it's a reminder that he shed his precious blood for me. And I will be forever reminded of how much he loves me. By when I look at the throne one day, I'm reminded that, man, it cost him his blood so that I might be here even today. And so we're going to see him in all of his splendor and in all of his glory. Now, we do know when you look back at the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, when the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, he wore a breastplate. And on that breastplate, he had 12 stones reminding them of the 12 tribes. And, and, and the very first stone happened to be Jasper. And the last stone did happen to be Sardius. And what that served as in the Old Testament was a reminder to the people that listened Listen, you are near to the heart of God. You're never forgotten by your Savior. And I believe that that still serves as a reminder. One of these days when we see him, we will see him in all of his splendor and all of his glory seated on the throne. And we need to be reminded he will never, ever forget about me. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 139, to be reminded even today, to be reminded today. Psalm 139, verse number 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, and how vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. There are times in our life when we go through difficult days and we feel like maybe God's forgotten about us, but I'm telling you today, you were always on his mind. You were always on his heart. And I am so thankful to God. What a, what a reminder. And he says not only is he sitting there on the throne, but there is a rainbow. There's a, there's a rainbow, and it's like an emerald. And it goes all the way around him. And, and, and we know that when we talk about the rainbow, the, remain, the rainbow was a covenant that God made with Noah in the Old Testament. I will never, I will never destroy the earth again. And so we have this reminder, but it's interesting when you're talking about the rainbow, and I'm just throwing this out there just because of thoughts when I'm reading through here. Interesting because when we see the rainbow today, what we see is we see a little arc on the rainbow. We see a half arc. We don't see a full circle, but here in heaven what we see is a full circle. The rainbow always follows the storms, and I believe it's a reminder that, listen, when we're in the presence of Jesus, the storms are over not only for a short period of time, but forever and forever and forever and forever in heaven. <laughs> what, what a day. What a day it's going to be. The Bible says in Revelation 21 and in verse number 4, he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be death and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain and the first things have passed away. Aren't you thankful? We see the throne but then the Bible says in verse number 4, we see not only the Savior on the throne, but we see the saints around the throne. Verse number 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones <clears throat> I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. And again, there's a lot of different ideas and opinions about who are these elders and what do they represent? Who were they? To which I would say, man, they're the saints of God. I believe they're the saints of God. It's not the church. It's not the Old Testament. It's all the above, the saints of God. And so, and so you say, why do you say you believe it's the saints of God? I believe they represented the redeemed of all time. You got the 12 uh, uh, apostles uh, from the New Testament and the 12 tribes from the Old Testament. And so when you talk about these guys, these elders, 
seating on thrones, and they give the picture, we can look back at a couple of things that he talked to the church about. Revelation chapter number 3, for example, verse number 21. In Revelation 3 and verse number 21, the Bible says, He who overcomes, talking to the church again, the redeemed, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And so we will be seated on a throne. We will be robed with white robes. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 3 and in verse number 5, he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Not only that, but we will be given crowns. And the Bible speaks of many crowns in many different places, but in 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 4, the Bible says this, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, the Stephanos, the victor's crown, and that's what we'll be wearing. He's talking about the church. I believe this. I believe that that's whoever is redeemed today will be included in that number. They're representative of all of the redeemed of all times in the presence of the throne where Jesus Christ is seated. He goes on and says this about the throne. He says, Out from the throne come flashes and lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of burning, of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And so he tells us what that is. He says, man, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is there before the throne of God, shining his light on Jesus because that's his ministry from the beginning. That's what the Holy Spirit has always been about, shining his light on Jesus Christ. That's what he does even on this planet. That's what he does today is he shines his light and magnifies Jesus Christ. In fact, if you go back to John and, and the Gospel of John in chapter number 16, he speaks extensively about the ministries of the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter number 16, verses 8 and following, the Bible says it <clears throat> like this. And it says, And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. In other words, he's saying, hey, he, he, the Holy Spirit of God is at work. And what he's doing is he's drawing people unto salvation. He convicts them of sin. That's what happened when you got saved. If you're saved today, the Holy Spirit of God brought you under conviction when you got saved. John 6, verse number 44 says, No man may come to the Father. No man may come to the Father. What does it say? That's what it says. No one may come to me unless the Father who sent me is drawn in. That's John 6, 44. And so, and so he's saying, hey, how, how do we get drawn unto him? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus Christ. That's part of his work and what he did in, in, in convicting people and in drawing people. And he convicts us even of our sinful state. But then he says this, but because I go to the Father and you see me. And then verse number 11, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world <clears throat> has been judged. And so that's what we see in the presence and in the throne, I believe, is the judgment of the Holy Spirit of God. Because that's his work. Now is the time for judgment on the planet. Now we see the scene in heaven. But there's getting ready to unfold the tribulation 
on earth. In fact, it's happening simultaneously. The seraphim, verse number four, goes on, and it talks about this, or, or not in verse number four, but it goes on to talk in verse number six and following. It says, And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, uh, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature was like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. In the day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy. So what we see, again, are the seraphim. And so we read about them in several different places of Scripture Ezekiel and Ezekiel chapter 1. In fact, I would encourage you to go back and read Ezekiel chapter 1 just to find out, just to catch a glimpse of what's happening in the throne room of heaven. Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. The Bible says it <clears throat> like this. Isaiah 6 in verses number 1 and number 2. In the year uh, of King Uzziah, his death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And then it goes on to say, And one called to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When we're talking about these four creatures and what they symbolize again there's a lot of different possibilities but i think that four would be that number as with many numbers uh there there are numbers that are symbolic in meaning and and it's talking about things of the earth there's the four corners of the earth there's the four seasons of the the earth and so we're talking about things on the earth we're talking about created things and i believe what he's representing is the four creatures that are discussed all the way back in the covenant that God made with Noah in the book of Genesis. If you go back to Genesis chapter number 9 and in verse number 9 and 10, in Genesis chapter number 9 and in verse 9 and 10, his description, his covenant that he makes, the Bible says, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. In other words, there's the man. He's made a covenant with man. Verse number 10, And with every living creature that is with you, the birds and the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, every beast of the earth God made covenant with. And I believe that they represent all of creation in the presence of the Lord, worshiping the one who redeemed the planet. Aren't you grateful? What a day that will be. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I do believe that every creature will be represented there. The Bible says in Psalm 150, in verse number 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And what we see is a glimpse in glory of everything praising the Lord. And so these are serving, serving spirits, serving angels in the presence of God. And, and not only that, but they're singing. And so there's songs that are being sung in the presence and in the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says they're singing and what they're saying. And, and, and watch what it says. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is to come. And when you think about the throne of heaven, 
What a beautiful picture. What they're saying is this. There is a song being sung that will forever be sung in his presence. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and who is to come. What's the second verse? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come. What's the third verse? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come. Why do they sing it forever and forever and forever and forever? Because they never got over the magnificence and the holiness of Jesus Christ, the one to whom they sing. Why do we get tired of singing? Because we're tired of the one to whom we sing. That's why. And if you're tired of the one to whom we sing today, this will not be an exciting place for you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you know what happens? The saints, the elders, me and you, the redeemed who are represented by the 24 elders, join the chorus. And the Bible says, when they hear these four, they can't contain themselves any longer. And the Bible says the 24 elders, verse number 10, will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. A wonderful, wonderful time of worship. You will receive, you will receive crowns for your reward one day. And those crowns are not being given to us so that we can have a trophy rack in some mansion somewhere, but it's so that we might cast them before his throne. What's going to happen is we recognize, what is it? It's the recognition that, man, without you, I am dirt. I am nothing. You deserve all the praise. You deserve all the glory and all the honor. You know, I, I heard a story about a student from New Orleans Seminary and uh, he had gone out there to get his Master of Divinity with his wife. And they say, as often is the case, she was simply getting her Ph.T., putting hubby through. And that's exactly what she did. She stood beside him, made it happen. And uh, along the way, she got sick with terminal cancer. And they were hoping that she would make it to graduation to which she did. <clears throat> but at graduation, she had to be wheeled in. And so they wheeled her into the graduation ceremony, and they sat her over to the side. And the interesting thing that happened that day was when her husband came across the platform and received his diploma and walked off the stage. He broke ranks, and instead of sitting with the rest of the class, he went to his wife. And when he went to his wife, he put his diploma on her lap. What was he doing? He was casting his crown on the one who paid the price for him. I couldn't have done it without you. And one day, one day, the saints of God, the redeemed, are going to have the privilege and opportunity to cast our crowns in his presence. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you have done to me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy, worthy are you.
to receive honor and glory forever and forever and forever. What a day. What a day that's going to be. Are you ready? Are you ready? Hey, let me ask a question. Have you ever been saved? Because that's the first step. Only the redeemed will experience what's being described in Revelation chapter 4. And if there's never been a time that you've called on the name of Jesus, I'm inviting you today to call on his name today. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. You can come to church until you die. And that does not translate into eternal life. That just means you spent some time on Sunday in the church house. He wants relationship. He wants relationship with you. Our sin separates us from a holy God, but he paid the price so that we could have an intimate relationship with him to repent of our sin and to call on the name of Jesus. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And if that's never happened in your life, when you look back and say, I've never been born again. I've never been born again. Wouldn't it be wonderful today? He said, man, I want to be born again. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, let this be your day. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I know I'm saved. But I'm not ready for that day. I mean, I'm just not walking where I should be. Hey, I want to encourage you, man. Repent today. Start fresh and start new. These are the days of grace. And the Bible says that when we repent before God, there's times of refreshing in his presence, starting fresh and new today. So I'd encourage you right where you are. God, forgive me. I want to be faithful because I look forward to seeing you one day. Would you join me for prayer this morning? We're going to pray, and after we pray, we'll sing a song. And when the song is completed, I'm, I'm going to invite you, if you would, today. Maybe you hear this morning, say, man, I want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus. I want to talk to somebody because I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Man, I'm inviting you to come today. You come this morning. You come today. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. God, I thank you for your promises you fulfill every last one of them. And God, your word tells us that you've gone to prepare a place for yours. And one day you're coming to call us home. Father, search our hearts this morning, God. Search our hearts. Oh God, don't let us deceive ourselves or be deceived by the deceiver. God, open eyes and open ears. Search us. Father, if there be any today that's never called on your name, I'm asking you, God, to speak. I'm asking you to draw them to you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Only you can do that. Oh, God, have your way today. Father, I pray that you would examine us beginning with me. Because, God, I do know that one of these days we will see you. Lord Jesus, I want to be ready. Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment, even right now, during these days of grace. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.